Hello and welcome to Found. I'm your host, Daryl Etherington, and I'm here with the blueprint to my fully assembled structure. Jordan Crook. I'm yeah. the blueprint. You're the you're blueprint. Fully assembled. And I'm like, I've made in your image, but it'll never be as perfect as the original plan. Yeah, but it'll be real. We'll be real. And there's nothing you can say about me except that I am super real. So authentic over yeah, there. Exactly. Welcome to the show. This is the podcast from TechCrunch, where we tell you the stories behind the startups. And we don't do it alone. We do it by speaking to the founders behind the startups. And today we are talking to Shanti Rajan from Linark, which is an all-in-one cloud-based construction management software program. And it basically gets everything together because that's a lot of pieces, a lot of moving pieces. You hope they're moving, but some of them are stationary. (laughs) Sometimes they don't move and you need to know that too. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of disparate information that has not been brought together in a smart way. And Shanti and Linark are doing that. So without further ado, let's hear from her how that came together. Hi, Shanti. How's it going? Hi, Daryl. It's going really well. Uh, Happy to be here. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, great to have you. So we're very excited to learn more about Linark. I know as much as I was able to gather by reading about it, but (laughs) I don't think, and I know as much as you, so (laughs) I would love you to explain to our listeners what it is that the company does. Yeah, there's a lot to gather from the website. Okay, Mm. so we solve some problems for the construction industry, mainly in terms of, you know, managing a project end-to-end as well as helping contractors manage their business. I know that's still a lot mouthful, but if you look at it as, you know, for a building to really exist, there's so much of work that happens across so many different contractors from, you know, design, owner, thinking of it, design, and then finally getting it built. Mm. It takes a long time, okay, and so many people are involved in that. So we help pull all the data into a central repository and make it meaningful for everyone who's interested in knowing what's going on on the project. So it keeps you on top of schedule, cost, you know, as well as what's coming in, who's on the field, what's happening on the field. So all those kind of stuff, all the good stuff that makes a project move smoothly. That's exactly what we do. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds super useful. It sounds hard, but (laughs) Jordan, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, it does sound hard. I mean, like I'm a big, my mom renovated her house and my partner is a big HGTV viewer. So we watch a lot of like flip or flop and stuff. Right. Yeah. And it always blows my mind just how many pieces are moving. And like, especially for that HGTV stuff, they have the same team of people working for them. You'd assume like as a priority, right? So like schedules aren't as bad and prices aren't as bad, et cetera. But in the real world, like pulling that team together and all those different stakeholders and all those different projects, I mean, I can see how useful this is, but also how automatic versus manual is the data. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, if a guy who's used to doing everything on paper and is installing your windows doesn't go and say, hey, this is behind or hey, we're over budget and doesn't put that into the system, the system doesn't matter anymore, right? Like it doesn't make a difference. So how do you kind of solve for that? 
Yeah. If you think about it, like most systems that you have to get somehow the data into it, if it doesn't get into it, then there's no way of knowing anything. So it's about how simple you make that data entry process. How can you capture it to the point of, you know, wherever it happens? For example, uh, something gets delivered at a site. Okay. Can you just take a picture of it and it's timestamped and, you know, it's connected to what is expected and boom, the entire system is updated versus somebody coming back into the office, pulling up a screen and saying, Hey, we got 22 windows delivered today. You know, so that's the difference. And also maybe if there is a delivery receipt, you just take a picture of the delivery receipt and then the the software now knows, hey, you can read that receipt, it makes meaningful inferences from that and says like, hey, you ordered 22 windows, but you got only 20 windows, you know. Mm. So instead of you making all of this, um, going into a computer and entering, so you capture the point of entry where then it makes meaningful and it reduces it as a chore because somebody is accepting this and they are looking at it right then and there you capture it. So that's kind of the premise of, you know, capturing data at its origin and capturing it once. So after this, you don't have to re-enter it in the office somewhere. Okay. That data is available. It's available across the system, not just to the contractor who's looking at it. The general contractor who's managing it also knows like, hey, all the windows are delivered now. So that work can start on schedule, right? So that's the interpretation of that same data across the entire ecosystem. Yeah, I'm curious about adoption, and I think it's related to what Jordan is talking about. Like, I imagine that this is based on no information, but my imagination is that like <laughs> the state for a lot of people still is like so scattered, so distributed, and like you were talking about data portability, like it's probably a lot of like I just wrote this down in my notebook, like I received it, and maybe it gets logged, or maybe it doesn't, or who knows? Yeah, and is there and and then my question around that is like. Is there a lot of education required? Are younger professionals more eager to use more tech-forward solutions? Or how have you found that so far? It's so funny that you ask that. You're right on spot on that. Like, for example, I have inbound coming in and it'll be uh, someone in their, you know, mid to late 20s and literally saying, hey, I understand. Uh, can we talk about this? And then say, I have to bring my dad in. And that's where it'll hit the start <laughs> point. Okay. So right. the dad nods his head all the way through and he's, he identifies the problem statement. We have a great resonance in the conversation. But then when it comes to, hey, what does it mean for you to get started? Then like a whole lot of issues about not using using technology. I don't know whether my guys on the field would like it. So yeah, that process happens. So you do have to be cognizant of the fact that this is a big seismic shift for how construction happens. Mm -hmm. So you have to approach it as not like, hey, um, you're used to using mobile technologies everywhere. What's your problem? It's more like that is a lot of education, training, level setting their mind, making them feel comfortable that, you know, this is about centralizing data. So you have information when you need it and not about, you know, changing the way you work or, you know, what you actually do on the field or how you manage your team, all of that. Those are still processes that need to work with the system. You know, yeah. I'm not I'm not suddenly saying like, you know, a new machine is going to come and, you know, uh, install your windows. That is still the guys on the field who are installing the windows, you know, but we just make it easy for them to say that they have installed five windows today, you know? Yeah. And then for that to not be lost in the ether, right? It goes yeah, somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah. So who are the customers? Are they the owners who are running the project? Are they the general contractors who are in charge of the project? Like who who's actually paying the bills and how does the business model work to kind of in the ethos of keeping it easy, make sure that the window guy isn't 
paying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, there's a lot of value for the window guy to pay as well. But to answer your question, it should literally be at the project level. Okay, so the cost is eventually borne by whoever is signing the check for the project, which means the owner, and it's also for their own advantage, right? If everybody in the company in the project is using this system, they know there won't be data loss. They won't be looking at half baked data. They won't be looking at information that was three days old because this contractor has to pay for it and he's decided now like he doesn't want to. So yeah, so that's the premise behind making sure that it's someone who benefits from everyone in the system using it, which is the owner who picks up that tab on that. But eventually the solution goes across the spectrum. Okay. Uh, There's something in there for the owner. There's something in there, a lot of value for the general contractor because they can literally orchestrate every step of the way. And every subcontractor will know, hey, my set of tasks starts uh, November 12th. So I need to make sure that my materials are there, my crew is like organized to be on site. So they get that pre-indication. Okay, You don't have to get on the call. You don't have to look at emails. It's all there in the system that prompts you with the text messages saying like, hey, your start date is this. So um, facilitation, you know, if you think of management and facilitation and data centralizing, so we do all of that. So that is something in there of immense value for everyone in the ecosystem. Yeah. So. And is it a flat rate or is it like a percentage of the size of project, right? If I'm building a skyscraper um, yeah. versus like renovating <laughs> a house, that's a different amount of data. Right? Yeah. So we can look at like who we target. As of now, we don't target residential contractors. Mm. I mean, there are good products in, in the market for that. So we target commercial and so it's also, you know, contractors whose revenue, we are in the small to medium size market right now. Not that the product cannot go, but it's also where we can provide immense value right off the bat, you know. So looking at that, the pricing is usually if it's from a contractor perspective, if they want to automate their entire processes, it's it's on a per project basis, not as a percentage of revenue. But when we are looking at from selling it across all subs, everyone for the project, then we get into a project price-based valuation for it. I think to move away just from the, the business in its current state a little bit, but I would love to hear more about kind of how you got into this and why it's a lot probably, but and what made this particular problem the one that you wanted to go and solve by founding your own company? Yeah, um, I asked myself that question. <laughs> Given that it's a super um, challenging industry to get under the skin of, okay? So um, I've been an entrepreneur my whole career, bulk of my career. So uh, I think I only know to do my own company is not really a good person for. <laughs> mm. So that's also the reason why I started this company. I was actually working on, a, I had sold two of my other companies before. And then I was just doing some consulting gigs when I was working on a hardware piece, which was about last mile network connectivity. And yeah. that piece didn't go far, um, but it got me talking to a lot of contractors, you know, because they are primed for something happens on the field and, whatever happens on the field needs to be made aware in the office and so forth, right? So that's when I started talking to a lot of contractors. And it's it's a fascinating space, you know, construction. How does a building come to being when uh, everybody is just looking at one piece of, you know, blueprint, you know, and making it happen? It's, it's mm-hmm. fascinating, right? And uh, so I used to have a hard hat and boots in my car and drop by a lot of construction site. And if they would let me and speak to me for 10 minutes, that's how I got my understanding initially of whether the space was of interest to me. Hmm. And um, like most people, you know, I was also doing a a remodel of my house and it was literally where like, you know, they built a complete basement under my house and my house didn't move. Okay, it was sitting right there. They went and excavated and put, you know, piers down. And then suddenly that's like a 3,000 square foot basement under. Right. Okay? It just felt magical that they could do it. 
and the house didn't fall and you know the ac still works everywhere and so many things right and but there were also a lot of you know misses and and that's how we, i got to really understanding more about the industry more about the business and the fact there's no one central system okay that uh, pulls everything together it's almost magical that the mechanical guy shows up and he spends two weeks just trying to make sure that he's laying it out all properly because he needs to understand where it goes you know yeah those are the things if you add pictures if you add videos if you add act to date information on what's going on these kind of time cuts can be brought into a project you know so if you can do it on a small residential project imagine the impact on larger commercials and i mean infrastructure projects yeah yeah because i mean otherwise it's probably just a lot of rework right because it's going in and just doing it all over again like a different person doing what the first person could have done the first time could have, right? exactly i mean it did happen in my house you know we had a wall in the family room area for the kitchen pantry uh-huh. it moved by a whole foot okay so oh. <laughs> I imagine, imagine in your family room you lose a foot of space it's a big deal yeah, yeah yeah you know so when you go and ask like you know two days i'm not on site and the third day i come and see there's this big wall there i'm like what is this you know so they, they, they <laughs> hey this wall is supposed to be here oh okay sorry well <laughs> it's too late now <laughs> it, it, it was a case of too late now you know yeah. uh why because you know something about the plants that they didn't understand and all of that okay yeah, so yeah. this happens uh, and it's a house and it's not the end of the day i was like okay i'm going to enjoy the pantry space you know so yeah. but this happens a lot and imagine on a bigger project where things have to be on scale have to yeah. be exactly where it has to be and this wasn't any kind of load wall or anything so it's fine but if it was something like that it changes the whole picture yeah for sure yeah. So I, I'm curious then, like you've mentioned, it was very sort of like a difficult industry to get into. Is it because it's sort of like very established? Like, is it slow to change? Is it slow to accept newcomers? Or what What were the major challenges, I guess, when it came to breaking in? Because it sounds like there was an obvious need, like that part you saw and identified, right? Yeah. What What is the resistance coming from, I guess? Actually, you know, um, every contractor I've spoken to, uh, super friendly and, you know, and still it continues to be there, you know, uh, open to ideas of how they can do things better, etc. Uh, mm-hmm. That is that is definitely there. The hard factor is simply from an outsider coming in, trying to understand the space, so many moving parts and same thing, each one has different processes. And unlike, you know, other projects where it all happens, with, even in manufacturing, it all happens within the factory floor. So you can literally have people talk to each other, all of that within that floor, right? This is going across uh, companies with different cultural values, different ethos, different way of doing things, different trades. Um, An electrician and a roofer are not the same in any sense of the word, right? Right, right. So it's like different processes across. You need to get a grasp of so many concepts before you can think system. You know, that's where the challenge is. And after that, you know, in the same company, there will be people on the field. They have different expectations from a system. While people in the office, the management has different, the finance, the budget, so many different things come together in a project. And if Mm -hmm. a system is going to solve a bulk of the problems, which is budget and um, delays, you need to understand a little bit more before you can just put something together. So that's the learning curve part of it. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, yes, there is some resistance to change and acceptance because everybody, the field guy should agree, the office person should agree, the management should agree. So there's so many other people involved in using the system. Yeah. Like lots and lots of stakeholders, right? On all sides. Lots of lots of stakeholders and all of them should, uh, you yeah. know, be comfortable with using a new system. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I think we have the same thing with enterprise software to a differing degree, but like 
hopefully the building's not going to fall down if we don't all agree on the use of the (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the magical part of construction that you know buildings don't generally fall down you know yeah you might have a wall out of place but you know otherwise the buildings are strong stable things work you switch on a switch lights come on all over and you know so that's a lot goes right a lot has to go right and a lot does go right yeah yeah a lot goes right so that's the but it may not go right in the same time that you planned hey uh, two years no it's three and a half years i mean i don't know i don't know if you guys heard of this boston big dig that project ran for you know decades oh no uh, yeah so so that's those problems can be solved by systems you know yeah yeah so i was just kind of curious like what has been the biggest challenge since starting the company mm. on uh from like being a founder standpoint not necessarily with product or Right. industry like talent or raising or anything like that yeah i mean always you know um, having good talent in today's market is you know um it's always been a challenge even in my previous companies you know finding the right resource people who are motivated excited about the space all of those are challenges that you always face but it's more easy to say if you're doing a tech for tech product which was what the before ones were it's easy to get people excited okay so mm-hmm. while this one when you talk about construction most people's experience with construction is a bathroom remodel or some house they did some part of the house so they don't understand the complexity of what it means to do a commercial construction project okay so talent is always a challenge and our company is uh, distributed it's global so it's remote so you add to that the complexity of covid where you know i couldn't travel for you know meeting anyone yeah. everything everything happens on so called zoom and my tech team is based out of india so all my calls start from like 9 pm and sometimes i well, wrap up at 1 a.m. and you know Oof. so that puts you know more complexity in the initial stages now it's not so because i have a very strong table uh, tech team with good leadership there mm-hmm. but those were some of the starting challenges and now the challenges really are about you know getting more and more in front of uh, customers convincing them uh, getting them to get started as i said the 25 year old gets it you know <laughs> yeah. right right you still have to go up the chain of command and you know get the story told get the pilot started get them convinced and then uh, move forward with the closing the deal so yeah and, uh, like we mentioned the investment thing but do you want to go into more of that like how has that been for you when you go out and fundraise and stuff like that is that a big education piece as well or yeah what's your experience been like over time with that so um construction industry is a very hot industry now from uh, investment and technology perspective mm-hmm. okay yeah. there have been a lot of pretty good exits either through acquisition or even ipos so the investment industry has woken up to realizing that is uh, money to be made for them as well as you know impact how things happen in a particular industry they have the ability now to put money where change has to happen we are looking at so many problems in this industry okay as a simple concept if you take waste on a construction site it's huge mm-hmm, right yeah. um so when you take if you're a investor who was looking at you know sustainability reducing waste reducing the carbon footprint of the construction process there's a lot of ways you can put your money into a lot of solutions that are coming in yeah Because, I mean, even specifically concrete, right? Like just to narrow down on one, right? Everybody's like, well, concrete is a horrible, horrible building material when it comes to carbon. And so there's all kinds of alternative construction. Yeah, so that's going on. And the more investors put their money into those, the more solutions are going to come up, okay? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, as as, uh, we all know, like you invest in 20, maybe one succeeds. But 
that's what the advantage of putting money into this. The investors have an opportunity now to influence, you know, what happens and how the industry shapes itself. So it is a hot industry to invest in. But again, you know, uh, I have self-funded so far. I mean, I'm able to. Oh, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's not bootstrapped. There's a difference between bootstrapped right. uh, where you're thought- <laughs> Totally. I started it bootstrap in, in the scrappy sense, but, you know, um, as we have built out the product and we're getting, you know, good traction, it's now self-funded. That's the word I would use. Um, yeah. as we, as you're going into growth stage, I would race. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's clear you have active revenue, right? It seems like that was a part of it that was that easy. What about the sales cycle? I think you had some experience in that, but was it a challenge for you? Yes, it is a huge challenge because when you're selling tech for tech, if I build um, a tech product, right, I just put it up and send some few emails and then 10 people use it and suddenly it's 100 and then it multiplies, okay? So it takes a long while for network effect to take effect in these kind of enterprise you know, old world industries, if I may call it that. Mm-hmm. And also we are building a management piece that, as I said, multi-stakeholder product. So it takes a time to take root. So that process is still challenging. Sales cycle can, depending on the company, depending on where they are and having identified their needs, it can be three months, six months, and sometimes some are even longer. Mm-hmm. So you just have to have, how shall I put it, hope <laughs> and patience <laughs> as, as you go through the uh, process of getting to where you want to get. Nice. Uh, and then what about on like the product development and product innovation side? So what, is it mostly voice of customer that's kind of guiding as you develop or how do you think about that? So, I mean, if you look at most startups, right, um, they start on a spark and the where it goes, right, it's based on the uh, amount of effort that the founder puts into or founding team puts into thinking up the future. Okay. Hey, I see the future being this, you know. Um, So there are uh, some construction management products out there, but they don't focus on centralizing data and then making that into meaningful information, not just on this project, right? I mean, you can make uh, in this location for this kind of work, it takes this much of effort and uh, dollar value. So it's something you can do just from data, right? So that kind Mm -hmm. of... uh, Thinking comes from founders, not necessarily customers. So customers give you a lot of feedback on what about the product works for them now. Okay. And you have to pay attention to it because they are doing something and their contractors are super busy. If you talk Mm. to a project manager, they are juggling so many things and they're managing more than two projects and they are immensely busy mentally. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I mean, I can barely manage my life and there's not much going on. So. Tell me about it. I mean, if my dog falls sick one day, I'm like, my whole day is yeah, hard. Okay, it's gone. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's 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 how our lives are. But you know, for them, uh, so much of things is uh, juggling. So their application should look very familiar to them, mm. just because of how they operate and what they do. Uh, so that part is something you get immense feedback on. But where you want to take the direction, for example, you want to reduce uh, waste on construction sites. So you need to uh, have a vision for it and uh, direct it towards some simple to use product and then create a long arc of where it starts to add a lot more value, you know, as it rolls. Yeah. Something you mentioned in there, I'm curious about, because you were talking about that you can actually do a lot of the stuff that applies across projects, right? So how much of your business is focused on that? Do you do a lot of building the, which is not the social graph, but the construction graph of like, we know based on past projects and working with other clients, like probably anonymized or whatever, but we know roughly costs here or things like that. That's what we are working towards. You do need a lot of data. That is heavy data intensive, right? So um, when we start looking at data across all projects, all contractors, all locations, um, and then start putting some, you know, geographic data on top of it 
then we'll be able to make a meaningful analysis on that and come up with some information. That's our long-range vision of, you know, what comes out of just keeping one box in which all data goes, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's one vision that I have of, you know, making this available to contractors themselves after that, you know, on the yeah. industry as a whole, yeah. Is there anything else about your long-term state? Like, did you start out with a particular goal in mind or do you have a a mission statement that guides you always? Or what's the kind of end goal that you're looking for, I guess? So um, this is, uh, at least in this particular industry, right? It's really doing good because uh, buildings are, you know, uh, something where not only we live, I mean, that's where everything about our life happens, okay? So uh, I don't have like a set vision of, you know, this is exactly where I'm going. I'm hoping still it's a learning journey for me because as I said, my previous ones for tech for tech. So tech is something that for lack of a a better word, it's an unconscious confidence and uh, competence I have in it. You know, I don't Mm. have to, I don't have to think too much about it. So when something new comes along, if I read a little bit, then I understand a lot more. You feel good, up to speed. Yeah, Up to speed. But this industry is not like that. So for me, it's still a learning journey. And as I learn, as I understand, uh, as my team learns, okay, as they learn, hey, we are building this, but not just from a tech perspective. Why are you building this? What is the value? Uh, Not just to a contractor, to the industry. So a lot of things will unfold. So I'm my journey right now is about let my learning tell me what my uh, next steps are. Yeah. But whatever I'm doing now, let me do it competently. You know, so that's the thought process yeah. I have here. It's yeah. a good plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. It, it has to be hard though, right? Because like on the one hand, you do want to focus on today. Like what do we have going today? Let's nail that and this week or whatever. But it's almost like, I feel like I, I hear a lot of founders talk about how their team can kind of rally behind what things are supposed to look like three years from now, four years from now, right? And so like, we have to finish phase one, yeah. get as much data as we can so that phase two is possible. And phase two is where things really crank in, right? Or phase three. And so like, it's a constant battle, I think, for a lot of founders to balance those things because you're saying, okay, phase two is what we're trying to get to. But if you aren't focused on today, you could miss a few steps, mm-hmm. right? So- I'm just like, I guess, curious about how it sounds like you're in the in the mindset of learn as much as you can, kind of like go roll with the punches and figure it out as we go. But do you find yourself talking to your team a lot about like what the end goal should be or what that ultimate vision is? Or, or is that something that you're saying? Whatever, right? Yeah. Are you saying to your team, like, we're going to figure it out? You know, like we're growing, we're going to keep figuring it out and we'll see when we get there. What's the message internally? Yeah. So internally, it's always a motivational message, aspirational message. So uh, we do from a team perspective, we do this every week, you know, everybody looks at, you know, tech-based articles or, you know, industry-based articles. So you're free to go find something that excites you just by reading it. And we bring it into a collective whole. And then we just do a thought point of, hey, if you want to do this, you know, hey, this technology says something like this, you know, what does it mean to bring it into this industry? Whether we do it or not, this not relevant, but it's just an exercise of, you know, what opportunities, technically excitement, all of that, that comes. And then we look and say, hey, maybe this is something we want to put it as, you know, something we want to look at it three months from now when the dust has settled on, you know, what we are building now. Then we get into the POC model of that. Do we want to pick this up for POC just for the fun of it, right? Right. Uh, And then we look at the value of it. And then so that keeps the uh, team also looking at because it's not just coming from, hey, look, there is Zoom, new technology out there. Yeah. How do we drop it in? You know, that's great. But at the end of the day, nobody, no contractor ever wants to look at it. It's going to be something that we do for the fun of it. Okay. Yeah. So we always do this journey of find something that is interesting, 
put it in the context of what does it mean to this industry? What does it mean to our customers today? And is that relevance for uh, putting it into our roadmap? Maybe six months from now, six years from now, it doesn't matter. And if it is six months from now, then we put a path to it. If it is like, oh, it's nice to do, but let's look at it later. Then it's something we can ruminate over, okay, over time. So that I do with the team on um, where if you miss two weeks and it certainly happens on the third week. Okay. So that we do very often. But uh, for me, myself, I'm constantly reading across the spectrum. And um, so I'm always pushed by curiosity of, you know, what's going on in other industries. And I do have a way of, you know, reaching out to people, talking to them, may not necessarily be in construction. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that fuels your curiosity, your um, energy, your desire to do something else. So, um, and then, then you look at it as a, does it make sense, you know? for us to do this. So that's the process. And answering your question about uh, vision, yeah, we do time and again on a quarterly basis, we sit down and talk about, hey, we wanted to do these things. We wanted to release uh, this vision. Where are we with this? And uh, what is coming up next? What do we pick up? So we do do a quarterly, this one. And as I said, the long term is still, it's still unwrapping it's it's not like I have a set, hey, this is my destination. So I, apart from building something usable, useful, and of value to the industry, I don't have a set goal or set point I'm knocking on. I think that the thing you bring up that I don't think about too much, but that makes a ton of sense is like that you don't have blinders on, right? And the whole team doesn't have blinders on. Because if, if you're near term, long term, whatever, if you're so narrowly focused on the company, then yeah, you're going to miss a lot of opportunities from other stuff that's out there. Yeah. And we're also so young. Okay. We are so young at this stage that while we might have grandiose vision, we need to um, execute near term. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so we have a software management piece and, you know, we have to make sure that everything that happens in the contractor's world is modeled and managed, managed, can be managed from our product, right? So we have these very, very near-term visions, which is as sometimes as uh, small as like in this month, we are doing these two sprints. At the end of that, we have this feature out, you know, so mm-hmm. those near-term goals are always there. Yeah. Yeah. And the further out you plan, like the less likely you are to be right, basically, right? Because yeah. it's like... This has to happen and this this has to happen and this has to happen. It's like you're so many steps down the decision tree of what is possible that if you get stuck there, you're screwed. Yeah. Um, This doesn't mean that we don't have some uh, sales goals. We don't have, you know, customer budgets. All of those things are there. But the overarching of, you know, uh, what you want to achieve, right? I think we let our curiosity as well as the needs of the industry, what is unfolding. That could be another product that comes in the marketplace that does something phenomenal. So then we want to integrate with that and take that next leap from there rather than, you know, saying like, oh, this was on our plate, you know, but here is a company that's done this really well. So do we want to duplicate it? Is there an angle to it that we could do better? If yes, yeah, then let's look at it. Otherwise, yeah, let's go uh, knock on their door and say like, hey, can we work with you? You know, so yeah. Mm -hmm. But I like the idea, uh, this must have happened. When you're having these meetings, people must come in and be like, well, now we need, there's crypto. Crypto's hot now. We need to do a crypto (laughs) thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, You know, um, definitely, right? I mean, um, we are hoping that that will be a universal currency at some point Mm. in the future. That would simplify a lot of things, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but we also know how Euro went, okay? So, I mean, (laughs) when you ask... Mixed bag, (laughs) right. Mixed bag, so... And when you ask so many people to agree on something, uh, and this time we are saying billions and billions of not only people, you know, country leadership and so many things. It's still a little bit dreamy, but hopefully it will happen because it will simplify a lot. Yeah. 
But yeah, if somebody comes and says uh, crypto, I always say, hey, you should invest it from your personal side and let me know how much you make on it right now. <laughs> so because uh, I do it and my daughter does it. So um, yeah, the ups and downs are interesting on that. I think me and Jordan did it because we don't understand how to make money. That's that's our lot in life. No. But <laughs> I put like I put a few hundred bucks in a, a Ethereum and Solana, I think, and just watched it dis- decimate. <laughs> Not at the right time. In in it, the high, and then cool. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) I think it's not for the faint-hearted. Okay, no, definitely Uh, not. Definitely, you don't put your bread money in it. You know, so definitely those two. Yes. Yeah. 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 Also, this is a much more practical, I think, question. But since we were talking about like a lot of your strategies is practical, I noticed you have like a very extensive content marketing section on your website, right? Through the build spaces. Their build space, I think you call it. Yeah, but, build um, space, yeah. 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 Can you tell me a bit more about that? Like I know I see we see a lot of people talking about their community and making sure that they're providing resources to their community as a way to bring in, you know, new customers and to retain customers. How has that been for you? And was that something you set out to do with that initially? Um, no, we just started. I mean, I wrote some blogs last year during COVID and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of what it means to, but this one is a new strategy that we have executed, not new in the sense, not like yesterday, but over a year now. Okay. Year plus. And it started just as, you know, trying to really say about what our product is, you know, besides the website, if you want to go meteor into what opportunities exist using your product. So that's what we started writing first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sending it out, you know, if you subscribe to a newsletter, you'll get, you know, anytime you post a new blog or something like that. Or even in our outbound sales, you know, we'll take snippets from it and use it. So we've been using it like that. But really now the focus has shifted a little bit into curating or writing literally about understanding, talking to a lot of contractors. So one of our writers, he does a series of interviews about, you know, what are your challenges today and then writes about it. Okay, so it is Mm. more like giving back to uh, people who are interested in reading this and knowing what other contractors are thinking, what challenges they are facing, how are they solving those problems? Okay, so that is one angle we have taken. And the other is also looking at other products in the marketplace. Okay, what do they solve and why you should look at them and how does Linux fit in if you already have a solution, you know, that is solving these three problems, how would you use our product? So we're taking both those angles and also some personal experience, like both our writers, senior content writers are experienced in this industry. Okay. okay, So they grew up like, you know, from layman, you know, concrete person all the way to site supervisors and project managers and estimation, right? So they have grown up in the industry. They have a good feel for, you know, what the challenges and opportunities are. So they try to convert that into content that is meaningful for other people who are reading it. Yeah, great. Yeah, I just saw it and it looks substantial. So I was curious about it. But, you know, it, it sounds like you had the the realization of like, oh, this is very useful for us in this one capacity. But then as you developed it over time, it's like, oh, it's probably even more useful for us as this like sort of general community resource. But, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that people who read it find it useful because our readership has steadily grown. Okay, you don't need to yeah. market it. You need to not only spend on Google to for it to pick it up. You also need to do some marketing around it. We are now hoping that we can write some strong pieces in you know industry magazines mm-hmm. for them from because our content writers are so strong. So that will also bring more value based on their experience and the research they are doing. Cool. Yeah. Well, and we always like it when places are employing writers. That's, you know, it's good for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, who better to tell your story, right? They have different yeah. angles of um, looking at the same problem. It's a win-win. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Jordan, are you going to do your usual feature? Sure. Yeah. So what is the peak and what is the pit so far of your founder journey with this company? The pit was really, you know, when you start, you know, building something together and you take it and you miss all the boat, okay? You're standard in mid-ocean with, uh, you know, <laughs> and nothing. So I've gone through that journey with this um, particular industry. So that, but now we have climbed out of it. The peak really is as you start, you know, reaching out the other side of it, you know, and finding validations. I won't name names, but we did an initial demo a couple of weeks ago to a huge contractor and they came out saying like, wow, this product is, you know, really, really mountains about the other solutions out there and the way you have taken your central thesis of, you know, data being the mover. And really brought out the value from that. So that's a super peak, just getting that validation. Whether they buy it or not is a different story, <laughs> but just getting those from my personal, uh, this thing that you're getting there, your journey is something that is meaningful to the people you're trying to serve and just solve problems for. So yeah, that clicks. Sounds like when we it might clicks, have a right? new peak when they do sign the contract. Yes. You know, <laughs> once you get all the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, new peak. When the you check clears, when the check clears, then not the, just yeah. the signing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Daryl. Thank you so much, Shanti. It's been great talking to you. Really appreciated having you on here. And um, yeah, I I mean, if I ever get into this industry, you're my first call. My career would have to take a lot of twists. If you ever get into construction? (laughs) Yeah, but who knows? Who knows? (laughs) Who knows? Anything could happen. Look at this year. Look at the last few years. They're all just popcorn, you know? (laughs) Yeah, bye bye. Bye. All right, Jordan, that was our chat with Shanti. What do you think about Linark? Are you excited to become a industrial or what? Commercial industrial? developer? Industrial. That's a word now. Don't worry about it. <laughs> a little Long week. <laughs> we're excited because Disrupt is next week uh, for listeners. This is in the past. So we're very excited and hyped up. But go ahead. I think that this is very cool. I mean, like, I don't have the real world experience of being a commercial developer to understand it, but I do have the experience of watching my mom like fully gut and renovate a house and how many different moving pieces were involved in that and just how little tech was involved. Like the amount of yellow legal pads she had and like phone numbers she was calling and emails she was sending and receiving and trying to keep all that organized was like... And my mom's probably the most organized human being on the planet. So imagining someone like me trying to do that or deal with that would be really impossible. So I think this is a interesting business in so far as it's obviously got a huge demand. And yeah. it seems probably like it. I don't think we talked much about competition, but it, I wouldn't be surprised that there is some and that this could be a feisty, a feisty journey that she's yeah. she's headed on. Absolutely. I mean, interoperability is a big thing here, you would imagine, because we did talk a little bit about, you know, them building out kind of a database of information that will allow them to do things like project estimates accurately based on geography and project type and stuff like that. And the contractors that she and Linark are working with would naturally want a lot of this to be portable, right? Like they don't want to be locked to one system necessarily, probably, unless it's something where it's like Salesforce or whatever. It's like, oh yeah, everybody uses Salesforce. So we have a Salesforce integration, obviously. Yeah, we didn't get into too much of that. I also got the sense that the real challenge right now is not really direct competitors, but it's more like you were saying, pen and paper or just archaic systems that people have in place that have not been modernized. Yeah, Yeah. that they're very comfortable with. Yeah. 
I did like her fact finding story of like she just went out to sites and like asked questions and investigated. That sounded like a pretty interesting time and would have been an interesting experience to like if I did that, would I don't know, would they be like, Why are you here? <laughs> Get out of here. You don't even have a hard hat. Well maybe she <laughs> had that. But what do they say? Scat. Yeah. <laughs> But I, yeah, I think that that's interesting. And I do like that, like, you would think that founders in like 2021, 2022 would be less likely to go as boots on the ground, just because one, we're such a virtual society, especially in the last two or three years. And two, because, I mean, it just takes a lot of effort. There's so many different, it feels like there's so much tech and information out there that it would be easier to rest on your laurels and be like, oh, I Googled it. Right. Right. Like I got the market research and I Googled it and I sent out a bunch of emails. And so I feel like I have an answer. But I think we're finding pretty regularly that people are like, no, I went out and talked to people like I cold called and cold door knocked to kind of figure out the answer. And I like that. I think that that's interesting. Yeah, for sure. That's like I mean, it's it's amazing level of commitment to user experience testing, basically, I guess. But it's also like. How would you know? You wouldn't know. None of this would be discoverable through secondhand accounts or through like, who is the company we talked to that was doing the exploration with bars, going into bars? It was the company that does the Web3 donations. It was Change. That's right. Thank you, man. Yeah. And they had originally thought of that terrible idea where you put ads in bars and they were asking that, but they also went boots on the ground for change once they came up with it and they were going to retailers and basically being like, do you have a good system to donate to your favorite, whatever from like roundups and stuff like that? And they were like, no, like, okay, well we got one if you want to put it right into your thing. And that was their first customer. So. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I think that's like, I like seeing that trend. I like seeing that that part of it is still alive and well, maybe even more. Maybe more active than it has been in the past few years. I'm sure it's kids. a big testament to investors too. Like yeah. when you go in and tell that story, they're like, oh, you're not fucking around. Like you're right. not here trying to get my money so that you can go like mess around and pretend to build something. You're like, you care enough to go march around during COVID in San Francisco. Right. It is a thing where, especially after the startup world is popularized. That's the a thing that I always think about on the other side is how do you suss out the people who are like, I just want to build a really cool office and have like a cool foosball table in there. Totally. Like and a like a beer years. tap and like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just going to live the life, fly private, get on my blade, go to parties, you know? But I think yeah. that that heyday happened several years ago. And I think investors are much more like keen or aware of that, you know, to like, sniff that out a little bit but who knows i mean look at adam newman people are still giving him money it's true more than ever so maybe go the other way too it's fine do whatever you want but shanti definitely had a great approach and i think yeah that she's, she's not one of those people no, that's no, not my not yeah that's not my take on her definitely knows how to get in there and do the work for sure and i like that she went from doing like tech for tech twice mm-hmm. to being like eh I know how to do this. Let's go learn about a whole different industry that's basically a foreign language. Yeah. And like so much of what she knew, like you'd assume that there's a bunch of things that carry over because like at the end of the day, it's a business, right? So you know how to run a business, but there's a bunch of stuff that doesn't because mm-hmm. it's just completely different customer. I can't think of two different customers than like a general contractor or a you know subcontractor or a development company. Yeah. versus like some tech startup that's like, yeah, we'll sign on for a software license, whatever. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Very different yeah, mentality that goes into that. And I think it was refreshing having her talk about sort of like realization or like getting outside of the bubble, I guess, of the tech world, right? Which we all tend to live very comfortably inside of. Yeah, that was a good chat. Yeah. Thank you. Found is hosted by myself, TechCrunch news editor Daryl Etherington, and TechCrunch managing editor Jordan Crook. Yashad Kulkarni is our executive producer. We are produced by Maggie Stamets and edited by Kel Keller. TechCrunch's audio products are managed by Henry Pickovit. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and on Twitter at twitter.com slash found. You can also email us at found at techcrunch.com, and you can call us and leave a voicemail at 510-936-1618. Also, we'd love if you could spare a few minutes to fill out our listener survey at bit.ly slash found listener survey. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.